You are listening to the On Fire Empire podcast, episode number 19. Today's show is brought to you by the On Fire legal crew in the family law department of Bennett & Bennett, Southern California lawyers for your family and business needs. Visit Bennett & Bennett Law, where we help people in unhappy marriages recalibrate their lives and achieve what matters most. You can find Bennett & Bennett at bennettandbennettlaw.com or just look in the show notes where you'll find the links to the sponsor. Hey, it's Kelly, and welcome back to another episode of the On Fire Empire podcast. Well, this is the last episode in our season two here before we head into a brief break, but don't worry, I've got a few tweener episodes that you'll really enjoy in between while we get ready to kick off season three. Look, if you've missed any episodes in this season two, I want you to head on over to lawlovelife.com or scroll through iTunes and access all of those episodes. And on the lawlovelife.com site, you can access the show notes and the links, and there's a few downloads as well. So in our last episode, I revealed four ways to disrupt worry and anxiety. If you missed that episode, be sure to head on over and check it out at lawlovedlife.com forward slash 018. Last year, I released a video on how to court-proof your life by building in some tools like mandatory mediation or arbitration clauses into your settlement agreements and your contracts and some other nifty tips on how to stay out of court. I know many of you are business leaders and business owners, so this is something that I think is really valuable for you. Conflict is the fastest way to lose money in your business if it's not mastered and managed. So today, I want to share an encore presentation of that audio right here on the On Fire Empire. It's a perfect segue to follow up last week's episode and give you even more high-power tools to worry less about things that you can control. And hey, at the end of this episode, I've got a really special bonus to share with you. It's something that you can start using today, and the best part, it's free. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to the On Fire Empire. Each week, seasoned divorce and business lawyer, mediator, CEO, and surf diva Kelly Bennett will help you discover strategies and smarter paths to big results. As you listen, you may ask yourself, how'd Kelly know I was going through that? It may feel like she's a fly on the wall of your life. She's intuitive, direct, and on point. Kelly brings the amazing lessons from her life's work to the table to set you up for a blazing bright future. We firmly believe lasting empires happen when well-rounded leaders achieve personal happiness, live out their calling, and develop meaningful relationships. Now it's time to hear from Kelly and her crew of experts. Learn some new strategies, challenge your way of thinking, and get juiced about igniting your empire of a lifetime. The information provided in this podcast is for general interest only and not intended as legal advice, nor does it create an attorney-client relationship between you and Kelly. And now, here's Kelly. Today's question comes from Chris, and Chris asks, Hi, Kelly. My wife and I just came to a settlement agreement after two years in court, and we're both pretty worn out. I never want to go to court again. How can I ensure that I never have to darken the door of the courthouse? 
Great question, Chris. And lucky for you, there is an answer. And by the way, this answer applies not only to a divorce situation, but to almost every situation where you have a contract or a potential for conflict with someone. So what's the secret? Build in mandatory mediation and arbitration into your settlement agreement or your contracts. But before I tell you about these mediation and arbitration clauses, you might be asking, Kelly, what's mediation and arbitration? Well, here it is in just a nutshell. Mediation is where disputing parties are brought together by a trained neutral, like me. The neutral facilitates productive discussions, identifies key issues to be resolved, walks the parties through creative problem solving, and creates a written settlement. A great mediator will help the parties take a realistic look at their dispute and deal with it honestly and effectively. Mediation is confidential and it's voluntary. The mediator isn't a judge or a decision maker. Instead, a mediator is a skilled facilitator who explores as many options as possible with the parties to come to a win-win solution. The benefit of mediation is that the parties retain control over the outcome of their dispute, rather than relinquishing that power to a government judge or to an arbitrator. Now, arbitration, that's a process that's much like a court trial, but it's done in a private environment usually at the arbitrator's office or in a conference room. In arbitration, the disputing parties submit their case to a trained, neutral third party, the arbitrator, for fact-finding and for judgment. Now, there's two types of arbitration. Binding arbitration results in a decision by the arbitrator, which is binding on the parties. The arbitrator's decision is enforceable by the courts as a final judgment. Then there's advisory arbitration. That results in a decision which isn't binding, nor is it enforceable by the court. But the purpose of advisory arbitration is to encourage settlement. Settlement often happens after advisory arbitration because the parties are able to get a good idea of the likely outcome of the case should it proceed to trial before a court judge or in a binding arbitration itself. Now let's look at how you can court-proof your life by writing agreements that require the use of mediation or arbitration instead of court. First, what kind of agreements can you put mediation and arbitration clauses into? Well, pretty much everything. We use mediation and arbitration clauses in settlement agreements like divorce settlements, settlement agreements in contract, employment, real estate, and personal injury lawsuits, and even in probate and trust case settlements. These clauses aren't limited to settlement agreements. Mediation and arbitration clauses are preventative in nature. That means they're great for putting into contracts in order to head off a lawsuit, even before a dispute comes up. So here's a few examples of that. Mediation or arbitration clauses in prenuptial or postnuptial agreements. How about in employment contracts? Also, private schools use these clauses in their tuition and in their enrollment agreements. We also see them used in partnership agreements or contracts with vendors. So maybe you're a nonprofit using volunteers. We see these used in volunteer contracts too.
In contracts where you may be providing services to a client, we use these in our law firm and our mediation service contracts. You might also have seen them at your doctor or at your dentist's offices. So those are just a few ways the clauses are used. But generally speaking, whenever there's an agreement being made, it's a good idea to figure out in advance how disputes will be handled if they arise. We like to say around here, let's agree on the divorce before the marriage. So let's get specific now on what these clauses look like and how you can use them. First, the mediation clause. Mediation is usually the best place to start when court-proofing your life. Remember, mediation is an assisted settlement negotiation, and it's where you typically have the most control over the outcome of your dispute. So make sure you have an agreement that you'll go to private mediation before anyone can run to the courthouse and file a lawsuit or reopen a divorce case. This is called that mediation clause. A mediation clause is simply a paragraph in a contract or a settlement agreement that says something like, we agree that if we have any disputes over the terms of this settlement or this contract, we'll first try to settle it by going to private mediation. Now, here's some other things that a really effective mediation clause will say. First, that even before mediation, the parties will try to informally meet and confer to work out their agreement, and then, if they can't agree, that they'll immediately go to mediation to try to settle. They also say that if someone goes to the court before going to mediation, then there will be penalties, like attorney's fees and costs, for the person breaking the rules. An important exception to this would be for emergency circumstances, like Unfortunately, if there's domestic violence incidents and an immediate restraining order is necessary to protect someone, we hope you'll never experience anything like that. A great mediation clause also identifies who the mediator will be. This is where you and the other party agree in advance on the mediator. This avoids an argument later down the road. It also gets you into mediation faster. And finally, the mediation agreement or clause should state who will pay for the mediation fees. Most often, the agreements state that the parties will simply split the mediator's fees. I recommend that each party to the mediation pays their proportionate share, or at least some portion, of the mediation costs, because that way, everyone has some skin in the game and they'll take that mediation seriously. That tends to motivate everyone to get the dispute settled at the mediation stage. Next, the arbitration clause. A lot of settlement agreements or contracts include an agreement to go to arbitration after the parties try mediation and only if a settlement isn't reached at the mediation stage. But it's up to you to decide. You can certainly have an agreement to go straight to arbitration if there's a disagreement. Sometimes this is a good idea, especially when the arbitration clause is being used in a settlement agreement and where the other person is nearly impossible to negotiate with. And remember, just because an agreement required arbitration only, it doesn't mean that you and the other party can't agree later to go to mediation, although we recommend it in most cases. Most people use binding arbitration clauses in their agreements because they want a quick way to end that dispute. Remember, if you go to binding arbitration, that means your arbitrator acts as the judge and her or his decision is going to be final. Good arbitration clauses will have all the same terms that I just listed for mediation clauses, but they'll have one other term that's really important. It's called choice of law and venue. 
That means the arbitration clause will define what law will be applied by the arbitrator. For example, if one party lives in California and the other in New York, the arbitration clause might say the laws of the state of California shall apply to the dispute. The arbitration clause would also define where the arbitration will be held. For example, it might say the arbitration shall be conducted in San Diego County, California. There are a few limitations to mediation and arbitration agreements, and they vary by state. Some examples are, in family law cases in California, by law, the final decisions about child custody, visitation, and child support are to be made by the court. That means parents can mediate and enter into agreements about custody, visitation, and child support, but the court has to sign off on that agreement and make it the court's order. The way we handle that in mediation is the settlement agreement is drafted, then submitted to the court for approval by the judge. This is commonplace, and it's a really effective way to resolve the issues quickly and privately. And if you want to submit family law issues to binding arbitration, the arbitrator's decision on that part of the case, which involves child custody, visitation, and child support, would be advisory only. In that situation, all the other issues decided by the arbitrator would be binding, and usually the parties come to agreement on the child custody, visitation, and support issues in light of the arbitrator's ruling on those issues, because they are indicative of what the family law judge would do in those circumstances if the issues were taken to court. Also, many states have laws regarding mediation and arbitration clauses in employment agreements that require the employer to pay 100% of the cost of mediation or arbitration in order to make those clauses enforceable. This is because employees already have rights under state and federal labor laws, and they already have the right to go to court theoretically for free, although there are costs of attorneys and court fees. So the idea is an employee shouldn't be forced to pay for private mediation or arbitration when they theoretically can go to the public courts for free. The bottom line is, you'll want to check with a lawyer in your state about the enforceability of specific types of mediation and arbitration clauses based on your unique situation. Well, there you have it. Nine steps to getting unstuck and finally having resolution of your conflict, whatever that conflict might be. Did you like this episode? Well, if so, I really want to hear your thoughts on it. Would you please leave me a review on iTunes or you can head on over to Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TV and leave some comments for today's episode. I read every single one so that we can deliver the content that you crave most. All right, friends, until next time, live with gusto and ignite your empire. Ciao. Oh, 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 o